Hey, what's up, you little scoundrels? It's me, Brian, and I'm here with a little candle review here for episode 19 of Plat Chat Valorant. Today, we're looking at... I've already been burning this one, that's why it's a little bit hollow. Yeah, yeah, I noticed. But it's the Lilac Petal yeah. with essential oils. We came to the conclusion, we just had a little discussion, essential oils, essentially a bullshit. Um, but it, <laughs> this smells apparently of fresh lilac. And I don't know how to pronounce that second one. What is that? Uh... I, hyacinth? Hyacinth. Oh, hyacinth. Yeah, yeah. it's a type of plant. Suppose, uh, type of plant. Anyway, let's have, let's one, give, uh, give... Is that straight out of Kroger? Straight out of Ralph's? Oh, yeah, straight, out, straight out of Ralph's. Listen, Huge. let's take a little... A br we'll, we'll, we'll listen, we'll give, you the, we'll give you the download on what that smells like in a couple of hours. Um, mm. But until then... It's really the, a multi-purpose podcast, isn't it? I mean, listen, I'm just coming out here with the... This is the... the Name one market we don't hit. Hey, Josh. We're getting them all. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I was gonna. Uh, yeah, never mind. Anyway, uh, let's uh, let's talk about EU first strike. Uh, that was mm. a that was a thing that happened. Or at least you're not gonna qualifies. introduce our guest. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna introduce our guest. <laughs> oh, shit! Yeah, we got Mike. Oh, that's How's a good point. Yeah, hey, Mike, how you doing? Wait, Mike is the. Uh, is, is it announced who you're coaching yet? Uh, it's basically out there. I'm just the trial coach for G2 now. So. Excellent, excellent. And you're also uh, one of the uh, participants, hosts, the, the men, the man behind the scenes when it comes to Immortal Minds. The overall, yep, the sole analyst in the Valorant scene as well, as much as Josh <laughs> likes to say otherwise. Um, yeah, so first strike, huh? How about that? Yeah. Is that a good intro? Good <laughs> <laughs> better, but you know, I was just like uh, laughing at the side. Yeah, I mean, I've actually forgotten how to do podcasts, to be honest. I'm in a bit of a fever dream state. You do so two a week. What? How do you forget? Like, how do you lose the skills when you're doing two a week? So I took a melatonin at 1 a.m. Yeah. Woke up an hour later because I realized I ate fast food at midnight and decided to just go to bed <laughs> instantly. You didn't get the jack-in-the-box, did oh, you? I, oh, oh, yeah. I went, I went pure filth mode with the, with the jack-in-the-box. <laughs> Fried food running through my system. My stomach was churning. Woke up an hour later. Eventually got back to sleep again, but thought I was going to throw up. Um, and yeah, woke up at 7 a.m. and decided to just wake up for the day. So I feel like ass. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's why I'm... That's why I forgot. So your brain stops working. Yeah, brain. that does make sense. Sorry, what? Your, bra your brain stops working. I mean, yeah, I'm sleep deprived. Yeah. Go those essential oil fumes. I'm breathing in the essential oils. Yeah. We're, we're getting yeah. The, uh, the essential oils in. First strike really helps. You, Josh, shut up. I'm trying to get on with the podcast. We've got like 20 topics here. You wrote a fucking essay last night when we asked you for topics. All right. The first one is studio production for EU. Pretty good. You, you put Excels. Yeah. That's like a fancy word for good. I thought this was a team. We're leading the talk. We're leading the show with the production value. Yeah, we're leading the, the show with the production value. I mean, it's pretty Sucking good. Sucking up to the man for the I have, first time. I haven't watched that much, but I was surprised that they had like, um, I don't know. Was is it a LAN event? Like a in-house? I, mean, I saw clips. Studio production. For it was a studio production, yeah, right? Studio. Uh, but but it's being played on LAN. No, I, no, no, no. The games are being played online. It's I think Brazil the, play, is the, the players are not online. Because I saw. Might be I'm thinking of liquid. liquid. Yeah, I'm yeah, thinking of Liquid's team house situation. Camp thing. That's yeah. what I'm getting confused by. But other than that, I mean, what did you like about the production? I, I thought it was uh, just well produced, honestly, in terms of like the compositions that are being released at the beginning. They've got the band system like laid out at the beginning. 
analyst desk setup is good. I mean, they're wearing weird fucking headphones because they're <laughs> sponsors. On so but it, the but, set kind of looks like. Um, I'm not going to say it. Actually, let's not burn bridges. <laughs> the, <laughs> good, the, good idea, Ronnie. The reason I brought this up is because it's in stark contrast to the format and everything else that's been going on in Europe. You've got yeah, like this yeah, really true. professional look for the broadcast itself, but also there's like only been three games that have been broadcast out of a billion. And they're all, you know, they've all been BO1s and there's been some drama around, uh, uh, you know, like disqualifications and stuff that we'll get into as well. And then, but also... It looks pretty. <laughs> like that's the yeah. that's the only the only uh, high point at the moment. I thought it was weird that people were comparing the production of this to NA because I don't think people realize like a lot of the guys in NA are literally just casting it from the observer slot in the game off their own OBS. There is no like studio or live feed or any post production on a lot of that. It's just literally themselves doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know, it's a weird situation because, like, what, the first, uh, like, the most major Valorant event that they've come out with, and uh, it, you've got such varying degrees of quality across the board from region to region in terms yeah. of both and, format and production value. Uh, and rules. And <laughs> yeah. rules, yeah. Big one there. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, you just need a bit more consistency across the board, right? Um, and it, it makes it harder, I think, as well, when this is the case. For new players to get into the esports, like how many times have you had people coming into your stream chat when you're doing the companion streams and asking, like, I don't know where to find the games. I'm confused by the format. This, that, and the other. You know, it's either one. It's, yeah, yeah. it's some factor that plays into it. Basically, the lack of consistency, which is kind of hurting it. I think at the entry level. Um, but hey ho, you know, esports has only existed for a year, so I mean, we're still figuring out. Um, <laughs> Let's let's move on. Uh, Guild, <laughs> a really good job just bigging up the production, man. <laughs> Great work, everyone. Uh, uh, Guild, um, obviously upset G two in the best of one format, and then later got disqualified for using the turret sage boost. That was uh, all all the all the craze these days. Um, now Guild have, I believe, now got a buy in the other qualifier. Um, in the open Arch qualifier rounds. C, right? Yeah. Yep. So they're, they're in pretty good seeding when it comes to the next open qualifier. So it's not the worst case in the world. But this is what we were talking about earlier when we were talking about the consistency of the rules. Because there have been bugs going on, um, bugs being used in a tournament. But the example you used, Josh, was kind of, I suppose, Steel when he's going for these um, Killjoy alt plants, uh, basically, where, where it hits the yeah. railings and lamps yeah. and gets caught up into the high ground locations. I mean, that is a bug. It's not intended. But what... I mean, they say it's intended, though. That's the thing. They're like, well, it's, it's on a piece of the, the map, therefore it's intended. It's, it's not classed as a bug. Yeah. I mean, there is a difference there, but it's just such a fine line a fine to line. be treading. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, like, the massive issue with it is that not only is all the stuff not getting like talked about in the first place is that there's such a fine line between what's an exploit and not because the na org um i'm assuming 
it wasn't Riot that confirmed it, but basically for NA, they confirmed that they could use that Killjoy ult because it's considered a lineup. But then for EU, this is like a completely different ruling. So it doesn't really like line up at all with like whether you cross this line or not. Because now apparently, yeah, go on. I was just going to say now there's like a massive discussion with like what actually is like defined as an exploit what's a bug like what are you using to advance there's like so many variables yeah the the other thing as well is apparently according to the european players they had tried to get in touch with admins of the tournament to mm -hmm. uh to run certain things by them and they just didn't get a response yeah. so th at that point you're like what well, i don't know like we're playing for our qualification against the best team in europe uh it, i think it's you know it, it is a reasonable and very like cs mentality that you would use things that are just in the game uh, i think that you know the it really depends on your frame of thinking as to whether you would consider that an obvious exploit there's a lot of people online who are like this was obviously an exploit you can't stand on top of a killjoy turret normally etc etc but i it's my opinion that there's just so many goofy interactions in the game in terms of how things work that i think it's really difficult to tell which is uh, which would be qualified as exploits or not. Oh, you, yeah. You'd have to have some good understanding of like the base, where the devs are coming from in order to make that decision yourself. You, you made this point as well, Josh, but I think it's absolutely the other day. Just that as the game continues on, as more agents are added, as there are more and more unique abilities, the way that they interact, there will inevitably be situations like this coming up. Um, so there does need to be... I mean, I would imagine they also are thinking the same thing, though, that there does need to be uh, a, a set rule in regards to yeah. utility interaction, what defines an exploit moving forward after this. Because um, it is sort of Because I think people are always going to want to save big things. I mean, this the meme, isn't there, about uh, Fnatic Manager, please delete well, this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also, people are going to want to do that in this game. It's... Yeah almost more so than CS, because there's going to be more weird interactions like that, like certain flash spots and certain, I don't know, ways of comboing they utility the, and, and there's things a like that. recon arrow that you literally can't destroy. It goes into the back of sight on Ascent. Yeah, they and did they, actually fix that, I think. They fixed that? I think so. I don't know, though. No, I can't remember. I, yeah, Probably I mean, 10 I mean, more of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that's, yeah. That's, that's the truth, though. Like, Some consistent ruling. Yeah. Yeah, you know? but also I think the best way of doing it moving forwards is just to have somebody at Riot who makes the decision. And if you're a team and you think that something might be on the line, you just have to send them an email and they will always respond to you within X amount of time. You know, like you have to send them that info a week before a tournament and they will respond to you with yes or no. And it's all private but it, there's like some interaction there with a developer sure. or with a, a tournament admin. Because that way, then you don't have to like publicly tweet, hello, am I allowed to use this? Is this fine? Because yeah. then everyone knows you're going to use it. And yeah. you can actually get in touch with the same body of people every time. There, there just needs to be some... Because trying to write all of this stuff in a rule book is fucking impossible, uh, I think. Because yeah. you can't... You can't preempt what bugs are going to be in your game. If you could do that, they probably wouldn't be bugs because you would have already patched them out. But you can like classify certain things like cipher cams that go into walls or into objects or you know, recon darts that can't be destroyed or 
uh, yeah, sage walls that aren't on ground. Uh, you can classify some of them, but for the others, you just need a person to double check with. Ah, true. Anyway. <laughs> The match itself, though, was really interesting because... Oh, you want to talk about this match? Yeah, a little bit, because this wasn't a game where Guild... Um, it, it, the, the disqualification aspect of it, as it pertains to like the match itself, was an interesting one because it wasn't like... Um, it wasn't like Guild used the exploit in order to win. Like They were probably going to win without the exploit. It was used in one round. It got a kill on Pith, but that was like they killed the lurker when the site was the hit was already getting crushed anyway. So it was um, it, it was a situation where Guild were just a better team on the day, which yeah. I think also yeah. rubs people the wrong way because it it doesn't feel like it was important in the outcome of the match. Yeah, it wasn't consequential in the way that the Olaf boost was seen compared to this was not even mm. really close, right? But then also. Yeah, this is where uh, the BO1 format kind of comes into play. Well, yeah. being an aspect of this. Obviously, you can have the one one game, good day for one team upsets. Um, but uh, Mike, you were saying the other day that something uh, um, like you had tried to, uh, or you had reached out to Riot and it took them like 12 hours to get back to the team, right? Um, yeah. So the process we kind of went through was we, after we lost the match, we were kind of like, well, there's a lot of things we could have done to actually like play that attacker half better and possibly win. And I think if this was best of three on the next two maps, we would have probably won them because we're just like slow to warm up sometimes. But the process we went through was we're watching back the match for mistakes. We noticed they used it. We're like, okay, we don't know if that's like allowed or not. So. I just sent a message in the admin discord for first strike EU and no response. So I went to bed like, okay, have the day off tomorrow. Let's practice on Sunday and play the qualifier next week. And we also, um, our manager and the player sent like a, to a contact to report the bug as well. And then Riot made the decision like that morning because Oscar was streaming that morning. They found out, oh yeah, we're playing the best of three now. So it's not like it's not like it was something I know people want to think we're some like conniving, manipulative, like evil villain or something that was trying to find any way to win this match, but it was more like we just reported the bug and then they made the ruling. It wasn't yeah. like yeah. yeah. It's a it, it's a weird situation as well. Because again, it's a be a one. And like the the a better decision would have probably been to replay the map at some point as well and just shift the schedule around. But they don't yeah. want to. They don't want to do that kind of stuff either because the tournament is so big. So I think all of the rule. The the big takeaway from this, in my opinion, is the ru the rulings just don't make sense. Like you actually need to to have better understanding of how things could go wrong and create the rules properly mm -hmm. to be able to deal with them. Especially because people were bringing up the whole um, Elder Flame Vandal skin as well. Like so many people yeah. who were mad at G2 were just like, well, they used a bug that was deliberately prohibited in the rules. Therefore, they should be disqualified. It's just, it just becomes a shit-throwing contest. Yeah. That's, uh, that is sort of the inevitability. Someone is going to go out there and try to find lay hypocrisy. That happens. I mean, that's kind of inevitable. Yeah. But I, I do think, 
I think uh, this just is exposing some of the flaws in the rules that they're going to adjust. And this is part of the, uh, I guess, learning period for uh, official tournaments or for the TOs or setting the rules. I mean, uh, things like this are going to be inevitable in this game. Um, but hopefully this is going to be a quick way to learn of the problems and get over it so we don't have to see things like this again. Mm-hmm. Crazy unfortunate for Guild, though. Right, like I really feel well, for them because yeah, I mean it's I I feel like they are it's it's still an evolving situation, right? Uh, essentially, because these mistakes are probably going to happen early on. Uh, you also got to remember that probably in a year's time, people are not even going to remember it's really taking place. Um, I yeah. feel like for the open qualifiers of EU when the format was scuffed and yeah. there was no consistency across the board. <clears throat> I mean, it's just it's just a growing pains of any sort of new esports when you. Um, you're, you're trying to figure out the consistency and the rulings on, on things. Um, but moving on from that, G2 beat Lilac, Lilac's kind of smelling nice. It's, it's hitting, isn't it's, it? Yeah, the, potency, the essential oils are starting yeah. to... No, listen, a lot more potent. What was the one last time? It was the, like the summer breeze, something like it that? It was like the, the Mediterranean citrus. Or Mediterranean citrus, yeah. I'll tell you what, the, it, the Mediterranean citrus, did. It does, it does do bits in a closed environment. This is a lot more open. Yeah. I mean, we're, I, I, I mean burn that's up, potent. Yeah, I burned up three potent. of these bad boys now. I got all three of the wicks <laughs> burning. And now we're oh, wait, really starting to... Oh, I thought that was something like trick of my imagination. There's actually three wicks there's there. Three yeah, wicks three in wicks. there, yeah. For three times the burning, three I mean, times yeah, the you really want the oil potency. extraction. I mean, I, yeah. I've been burning them one at a time, you know, but, you know, you can, uh, you can do it whatever way you want. However you, however right, you right. want to burn your candles. Well, the versatility Triple the fuel consumption. Yeah, I mean, don't say the name. We want them to sponsor oh, us. Yeah, well, sure. Um, I ain't naming any names. Listen, this isn't this isn't a review. Um, if you want, if you want to shout, then you can pay us. Uh, G two beat Nip in the. I mean, I, I suppose would this be this? I mean, what do you even call it? Semifinals, finals, it was a quarter final. That was the final. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. I mean, it was it was, it was a, the thing you them. needed to win yeah. to qualify for the main event, right? Yes, yeah. yes. And it was the match that they wouldn't have been in. Had they lost yep. a guild. Right. So this was the BO3 that they were like, neither team was prepared for, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I I out. Go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say, I reached out to Nip Coach after this game because I felt really bad because I know he would have been planning a lot of like stuff for guild specifically. And then before the match, it's like, oh, yeah, your opponent has changed and now you have to play these guys instead, which is like, incredibly unfair to them as well besides what happened yeah. to guild for this it would have been their first opportunity to play against um uh play uh, for safe to play against his former team as well mm. so that would have been like a, a true you know rivalry clash there between nip and guild in order to uh in order to qualify and instead g2 just rocks up and like yeah fuck both of you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, still so, a uh, pretty good game though. A pretty good uh, BO3. I, I, I do, really I do game. like seeing this new uh, Nip team. They they have some potential. I mean, obviously, look, they're going to be better with getting safe on the roster. He's just crazy, and I, I enjoy seeing the one Phoenix that you will ever really see in EU from safe. Um, and he's excellent at using the Phoenix utility. I thought he was getting a lot of value out of it on Haven. I was impressed with. Uh, Nip's uh, uh, utility combos, especially the, the speed of which they would execute them on the fly, given what G2 were doing. I think there was a lot of uh, impressive stuff from Nip. This was the 
some of the better gameplay you've seen from them in quite a while, I feel. Yeah, it was one of their first big games after changing the roster around, though, as well. So yeah. I think that's, you know, that that's a real key here is that NIP previously, they were a pretty lackluster team. They were kind of like the gatekeepers up at the top. They'd beat the teams below them, but they just never really felt like they had a chance of uh, of taking a tournament or something like that. And now they now they look like they do, actually. I think that this team looks pretty dangerous. This has definitely been a good upgrade for the roster. What, what I noticed from this... Um, this series was just that luck is still pretty inconsistent in the value that he gets over the course of uh, a series. The first map, he really popped off, and the second map, he kind of went invisible. And even though it was like 13-9, 13-10, it was definitely different people stepping up in both uh, both quarters of it. Although safe and uh, safe continues to be very good across uh, mm -hmm. across every map that he plays. How much of the uh, of the E first show did you watch? Did you guys watch pretty much the majority of this? I mean, I watched all of it that it was streamed, but hardly any of it was yeah. streamed. It was yeah. only so, these final qualification games that were actually on broadcast. We, we've been having mad recency bias, I feel like, with NA because it's been the only thing realistically broadcasted mm -hmm. uh, for so long. What do you think about... Because we, we've always talked about the regional differences and the strengths of the regions, and we've, I think we've always... Uh, just a, a, an overall consensus has been the EU has been the stronger region. Do, do you still think this is the case? Or do you think that North America in the time since then, given the fact that North America has had so many more tournaments, have they caught up to that kind of play level? Um, I'm going to let Wyatt or Mike take this first. That's, uh, <laughs> let me get the hot take out of the way first, then you can work, work backwards. Uh, I mean, honestly, I, well, it's, it's, it's tough. It depends on how you're trying to classify which region would be better are we looking at just the top top team like i mean it's always been like a case like i think five? i i um, think when we've always compared them previously we've always looked at eu and we've said okay i think the top four in eu at a given time yeah. could beat out a lot of teams maybe not sentinels but a lot of the teams in the top 10 of na is generally yeah. how we've discussed it i still think that's probably true I still think that's true. Okay. Yeah. From watching First Strike NA, I actually did think that NA had caught up or maybe even surpassed Europe because we hadn't seen Europe play for like five so weeks. So long. Yeah. yeah. And the quality of NA play really did go up. Like it went up a huge amount. A lot of different teams stepped up. Uh, and then after watching European First Strike, I was like, oh, fuck no, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Europe is really good. It's <laughs> like I'm watching the I'm watching yeah. the rifling in Europe. I'm watching the decision making and like how clear the plan is for a lot of these top teams. And I yeah, I'm 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 pretty convinced actually, I'm even more convinced in Europe than I used to be, because not really? only is there a good top four in Europe now, but it seems like there's a good top eight, good top ten actually in Europe now. Because a lot of these teams have really uh leveled themselves up for first strike but also just created better teams like previously we didn't have uh, rosters like uh gambit weren't around opportunists weren't around who are like sat at the kind of you know eighth level in europe probably we didn't have summon fc when we were talking about this previously they were a team that was really just kind of getting up to speed and they've got some really nice stuff that they do yeah um uh, and also you've still got then the top four plus um you know plus uh nip and and yeah, uh, Prodigy punk, as well, uh, and yeah, Prodigy. Yeah, they're, they're I, a team. I, I do think though, I was gonna, I was going to give NA a lot of credit for the depth of teams though. Now as well, I think that 
the one thing that was still running between NA and EU during that break for the top teams were just a ton of tournaments for Tier 2 NA. So I think that that uh, kind of bolstered that level of play. And now there is a lot of depth in NA, but I still think at the, at the top, EU is definitely ahead. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that overall, there are just better, or rather more top riflers in EU. And then I, I just think that the utility usage in EU just still surpasses NA. The speed of decision-making with it and the combo, uh, the utility combos that are being used between players in the moment, it's just uh, at a bit of a different level mm. and a bit of a different pace, really. Like the decision-making is just faster and more thought out. What do you think, Mike? I think before like the main criticism of EU is like everyone's mentioned already, it's like you had like the top four or five teams and then there's just such a steep, drop off compared to na where it's kind of like in na we have a pretty decent top 15 teams and then it goes like you have teams like moon raccoons and other teams like that that aren't even signed but in eu i think like the main difference is like the mid-round decisions like what to do in certain scenarios just stuff like that that comes up over time yeah yeah i agree with all I, of that <laughs> go ahead i think it's, all of it I, it is really hard to tell until we get to like a major tournament sure, and it, yeah. it does just make me the thing that i the big takeaway for me though is that i wasn't feeling very confident about eu continuing to improve in this like two month downtime that we've had between major tournaments and they have like the european teams have been scrimming hard behind the scenes and not just the top teams who all look like they have at least something different to offer now but the the like mid of the middle of the pack teams that were previously quite a step below have really leveled up in the meantime too so that's that's just more confidence for europe it's not that i feel bad in any way about north america they've been making great inroads as well but i was worried that the lack of tournaments would really hurt europe and i don't think it has oh um oh too strong too much too much <laughs> it's a little <laughs> too strong you want to <laughs> I don't know, Pull I might have to blow out, out one, one or two. I mean, it is it is really potent. It really is. Yeah, don't... I mean, I wouldn't just that's, touch that's quite that, hot. right? You, yeah. you know you can blow it. <laughs> nah, that would be too complex. That, that was well done, actually. Ooh. Well executed. Two in one. Set off a fire alarm, actually. There's yeah. so much smoke. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> right, so, we I, no, we don't. No well, fire alarms in the house. There's no fire yeah, alarms they, in the whole oh, house. Among other, other okay. problems, I think they might have forgotten to install those. I'll, I'll put that over there. Certainly, that's that not might, up to code, but it might be illegal. not our problem. It well, it illegal. might be our problem. I mean, yeah, literally yeah, your, might problem. Be your problem. <laughs> Liquid are a team, aren't they? They yeah. beat Prodigy. Uh, in, not wrong. They are a team. With some new comps, a new comp, uh, yeah. which is what you wrote here. This is something that I mention every time when talking about Liquid, but it, it I mean, Sliggy... I think said it on the mortal minds. I don't know if you remember, Mike, it was a long time ago, but he was saying how much he puts emphasis into um, playing a bunch of different agents uh, for liquid um, and, and that adaptability. And even recently as well, um, there was that tweet that got posted on the competitive subreddit uh, of the, of the Valorant competitive subreddit where depth said what angel said, <laughs> just yeah. repeating what angel said about essentially, uh, having a deep hit agent pool is like incredibly important at this point in the game. Um, and it's yeah. got to that point already where it's, it's becoming difficult to kind of one trick your way to, uh, to, to kind of relevancy and dominance these days. You, you kind of need 
to be able to play a variety of stuff. And there's no better team in my mind when I think of this than Liquid. In terms of changing their stuff around? I, well, they've changed up a lot. Here's the thing. Just think, think about the lifespan they, of Liquid. Yes, they have changed They have changed up. their playstyle a lot. Yeah, they, they absolutely have changed it a lot. Though, sometimes it, you can tell... I think maybe the Scream Jet being a decent example of it. I think sometimes you can tell it's like a decision being made from the, the puppeteer behind the scenes, not necessarily a player-driven uh, decision. Like, I don't know if Scream would really be playing Jet if that wasn't something that maybe someone in the team, maybe Sliggy the coach, decided, because it doesn't really particularly look like an agent he's... Comfortable. Only on. comfortable with. Yeah, so... They absolutely can switch, and they have been switching, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's comfortable for every player. Um, but maybe that also, to some extent, doesn't matter if the overarching strategy is good or the comp is good, works. right? Yeah. Yeah, and you get more comfortable the more you just play certain right. agents and certain roles, so I think that that will come with time. I quite like the structure of Liquid, though. I, I do think that it's... It is a good forward way of doing this where you are playing based on what you believe is good, not based on what your players are good at because you're just under the assumption that your players are good enough to be able to learn the agents and play them well. So it's like you're not being... Even though there are certain differing levels of comfort with with the agents, you're not you're not accepting that. You're not like hampering your team's strategy based on small agent pools you're just ignoring the fact that you have smaller agent pools and just going ahead with it anyway um it, it would be so easy to just stick scream on the rainer and let him try and run around and kill everybody but it's yeah. it's so much more effective to have him on the jet i mean you can see like even though he individually doesn't look that comfortable he finishes this game 48 and 29 <laughs> like he he pounded because they're just constantly setting him up in positions to get kills with the flashes and with the entry and then the way that he's like making space for the rest of the team. I think one of the things they ran into trouble though before with, like even when they were trying out different stuff, is you do need some sort of identity like within a team environment because like I know we switched Mixwell to Raze on Bind now and everyone thinks he should just play Jet on every map, but I do think like the value we get out of him on race since he actually like um has worked on it a lot and we've introduced a lot of ideas like we get a lot more max value out of that than jet and that's how we kind of think of when we pick different agents it's like what's the maximum value we can get for each player so i get like the approach of having like okay we want to make this strategy work really well with this comp but i think you kind of run into issues when players don't line up with the identity of that agent, especially like the creativity part of it. I think it's a, that's an interesting take on it in having like a, a team identity as opposed to just kind of trend towards. What I will say with that is you get into a bit of a dangerous scenario because I think when you're playing this game at a professional level, you want to be obviously under the assumption and belief yourself that you're going to be able to play this game for a long time at a professional level. And I mean, I think it's a fair assumption to also make that there's probably going to be a pick-ban system or at least a ban system maybe with agents being introduced with the complexity of this game. I feel like with the development cycle that they want with agents, it's almost a matter of time, surely. But they have some uh, sort of... I think. 
that they have some sort of process, right? I mean, what their game plan is what to release six agents a year, or is it more than that? Yeah, I can't even yeah. remember. No, I think it's six a year. Yes, yeah. it's it's gonna accrue up pretty quickly, um, and, and it's gonna sneak up on people more than they might think. So I, I kind of like the, I kind of like the mentality of just kind of honestly being quite flexible in terms of compositions and ensuring that you're building up. Uh, your players to be able to switch up roles, to learn new agents, to pick them up on a, on a on a quick basis, because it's a skill that's probably going to be more and more important as time goes on. Especially when you consider the fact that, I mean, there could be an agent introduced that just completely fucks up the meta in some way or form. Yeah. Uh, and and if that, that happens, your team will, will be happen. really prepared. I mean, it's literally it, no way there, that is going to happen. I don't know if they've changed it, but is it still the case? Is Sky coming in only for the main event? Because I saw a, it's a post. Coming, you can use it this week. This week? Okay, so yeah. okay, so it's, it did change from the prior info. So it, it's going to be able to be used this week in terms of the closed qualifiers. I mean, I mean, fuck knows. Yeah, who, who actually know. knows? Whatever. I, I think, I think so NA said it info. wasn't allowed for the rest of UMG. But yeah. EU might be different. EU I don't, I don't today. So. Whatever. Let's assume main event. Still, new agent coming in. Yeah. Uh, arguably, uh, probably, I, I think a lot of teams going to be sticking with compositions and play styles they've been building towards and trending towards over the last few months. But you never know if you're comfortable playing a, a bunch of different agents and you find something that fits, you, you find a way to make it work with mm -hmm. Sky. Uh, you, you know, it, it might give you the edge you need to uh, to just kind of uh, yeah. take over yeah. the main event. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's an interesting interesting look at uh, kind of the tendencies, I guess the priority of a lot of teams in terms of what they're valuing. Um, yeah. And then there's some the teams that stuff. literally just need to go back to the basics, honestly. <laughs> yeah, they do. Go back to fucking boot camp, learn the fundamentals, you know, <laughs> learn how to space better. Uh, go ahead. The, um, the comp itself, though, is really interesting because we've talked about Scream being on the, uh, the jet, but the... Um, the Soulcast Sova is something that they tried previously uh, without too much success. They ended up trending away from it uh, because they weren't getting the value that they really wanted from it, I think. Um, and I, I do think that he's just better on the raise a lot of the time. Uh, yeah. He's bad, but he's, he's just so good on the raise, you get massive value. So I think Split is going to continue to be a great map for them because Soulcast just goes back over to the raise. And then it's, it does give me flashbacks of like Fish 1, 2, 3 days because they have Eccles over on the, um, on the Breach as well the now, breach, which is yeah. what he used to play a lot. Like they used to play um, uh, Eccles Breach on Split with, <laughs> with actually Ardis taking over the Brim at different times. Uh, yeah. So, I think I think this comp does like theoretically fits well for them as long as Scream can play the jet well, and it seems like they have enough plans, like enough setups and micro plays to be able to put him in good positions where the, the yeah no problem. The guy had twelve first kills in the game. I, yeah. yeah, it's pretty, working pretty ridiculous. Pretty good. FPX another team, uh, which obviously they've qualified now after beating uh, the opportunists. Yeah. Um, yep. Pretty expected, I, I would say. I mean, again, we haven't really been able to watch many of the games, so it's uh, we're basing a lot of our information or knowledge of the top of the EU based off of what, two months ago. Um, I mean, I, I can't remember what yeah. the last tournament was. But Opportunists uh, but... actually did win a recent small event, though. They beat Gambit in a finals, so I think you know most people are expecting them to be 
around the running of like a top eight team. Like maybe they won't exactly qualify for the main event, but opportunists are supposed to be somewhere around that like eight uh, kind of spot. Uh, and this was a good yeah. game. What did you make of, of FPX then, Mike? I thought they had a really cool comp on Bind where they put Meadow on um, Killjoy and then Angels on Viper and then Shadows on Phoenix. So it's very different from how they ran their Bind default before. They really changed stuff up and Shadow slid over to the Sova. Because um, I thought like their Bind setup in general for how they approached the map was very like static and it wasn't... Like, they emphasize their attack a lot on controlling showers and stuff like that. Whereas now they're a lot more active across the map with Viper. Yeah, this was a really weird one, though. Like, when I watched this game, I mean, for starters, I've I've watched a bunch of Viper recently because it just, I, I was just intrigued by it. So I went and watched all of the Viper VODs of people playing it at the top level. I was going to make a video about it, and then it, it became less interesting. So I decided not to. But the no, almost always when you see Viper getting played, it's alongside another smoker. It's with the Omen. And this comp did not have another smoker with it. It was only the Viper that was being played here. And so a lot of the time, it, I mean, it totally shifts the roles within their team. When they're playing this composition that they brought out against Opportunists, Angel has to stay alive instead of doing a lot of entrying for them or like, you know, being like the second entry player because yeah. he needs to be able to put down uh, smokes on attack. Like he he throws smokes over to BCT area, but then they can't smoke uh, elbow. He puts down his wall sometimes to smoke CT so that they do have the, the other throwable smoke for elbow. He'll do like this weird, actually, you can see it right now, this weird A smoke where you cut off lamps and vent, but you leave heaven open to shorten showers. Uh, and that, that never worked when they used it. Their attacking half here was really lackluster. And it essentially boiled down, in my opinion, to FPX walking towards B and trying to just kill people. Not not by like exploding onto B, but basically they would just kind of set up their players on long and hookah and try and trade effectively and just take the site from that. It, it didn't seem very dynamic. But then on defense, they had like a very nice plan where they would put up the Viper wall across hookah and long, and they'd just destroy people with that. And it became very difficult for these teams to attack into B because you have to take all of your post-plant positions then from inside the site and, and kind of push elbow, and opportunists didn't react to it properly. And also just the, the retake attempts themselves are so much more powerful when you can just lock out hookah and long. Uh, it limits the areas that you have to play for. Plus, it allows Shower to play the Phoenix and actually entry for them, which, which he looked like a beast at doing. Yeah, I think back to the tournaments um, in EU that we that we saw, like at least the major ones where we were seeing FPX, and they were definitely, I mean, I think they were firmly the second best team in EU at the time. Um, way back then, I was really impressed at the time with a lot of their just, I suppose their, a lot of their set plays when they had like game plans for how they were going to combo alters, yeah, ultimates yeah. and utility and uh, again, like most EU teams, really good at mid-round adaptations. Um, after watching them play, do you guys still hold this kind of opinion that they are, you know, I, I, I would say, if you were to see them play against a team like G2, I mean, I, I, I don't know, Mike, you don't have to answer. You've probably seen them scrim. Um, so, you know, you can, you can hold your tongue. But, like, do you guys still think that they're a, a very strong team, like potentially second best in EU? seems to look like it from my point of view i mean we haven't even really seen that many games yet but i i don't see any reason why not 
problem, but yeah, I, I would still keep them in second. Yeah. Mike, what's your opinion on this? I think they're still like the second best. We don't really like none of the top teams in EU really scrim each other. So like seeing all of this is first time for me. Like I yeah. had no idea they were gonna pull out a comp like this. Um a comp like this though, like it's a good to see that they're experimenting, but I think Josh brings up a good point with Angel and Viper. Like you lose a lot of value of him being so aggressive on like Omen or Brim on any map when he's like locked down to staying alive to use that util. Yeah. He will, yeah, Angel, I, I even think on Bind specifically, that was a map where he was always shining as an entryer. Um but I yeah. I, I gotta say it is nice to see uh Chow in a role where he can just remind you that oh yeah, he is really damn good. Yeah. <laughs> He he popped in this series. He really did. He, and he's, he's a genuine Shadow underrated was player. What was that? Yeah. Shadow was good on the Sova as well. We've normally only ever seen Shadow playing the Breach, like all the way back to his previous yeah, yeah. teams. Like when he played with Fabrican, he's pretty much just been a Breach player. And he's he's dropped a lot of the opping that he used to do. And now he's picking up different roles as well. So it's, it is it is exciting to see FBX grow because if this was... so, I mean... If they're playing with Viper and a Killjoy, when Angel has been so vocal about how much he hates Killjoy, for yeah. a game to beat opportunists and qualify, what are they going to bring out for the main event? Yeah. That's what intrigues me. Is like yeah. If they already have this little plan that, okay, this might actually not be the best composition for FPX, but it so fundamentally changes how they play that your opponents are more thrown off than you are. Like, even if you're not getting the max value out of Angel and instead it's like Shao really has to step up, you're swapping things around. Maybe there's a little bit that's worse or could be exploited, but your opponents have no idea what you're going to do. And so their prep just gets yeah. destroyed in these situations. So I, I think, think it depends the, if... these can be so good at the main event, these, like, weird comps. Yeah, oh, you're just talking about it just generally just bringing out a weird composition to try and throw your opponents off. Yeah, room, yeah, room because prep, you're yeah. going to be more prepared when, when, for example, if FPX play against G2 and they've never scrimmed each other for like months, actually, up until this, this main event, and they pull out something new, or G2 have got like an idea in their head of how they want to play against FPX, and now they have to kind of scrap all of that and okay. start again at the beginning. Whereas yeah. G2 know how to play the comp that they're playing because they've scrimmed it a lot. So I think there's a lot of value in pulling out these different this styles if your team can handle it. Is that something you keep in mind, Mike, when you're when you're coaching? Like, do you do you generally trend towards making sure your team are comfortable with you know, their own set plays, their own execute stuff that's not reliant on what the enemy team is running, or or do you do you heavily consider like the tendencies of your opponents? So, like in terms of practice, I think what I've come in more for is like I'm introducing like more like set plays we can do, like defaulty stuff, executes just to change up the looks, just so like if they need to pull something out of their back pocket, that's always an option. But then at the same time, like um watching these matches, I can kind of come up with a game plan like, okay, if FPX pull out like this, this or this comp, this is how we approach it for each one, this is how we change up what we do. Like, this is how we change our approach. I think it's a good thing that we have the players we do as well because they are all very good at, like, adjusting normally. Like, our game versus um, Guild, we did a really bad job at adjusting on that attacking half, but normally they're very good at, like, reading into what the enemy's doing and, like, okay, this is the best way we can counter this. 
Interesting. Uh, on the other side, the last team we've got to cover in EU First Strike, SUMN, SUMN Football Club. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, well known, of course, throughout Europe. Um, mm-hmm. A bit of an unknown quantity in, in Valorant, to be honest. Um, you, you, you've put here in the topics, Josh, when you're writing this up, that they qualified for an easier bracket in terms of their strength of, I suppose, the teams they had to go up against to, to even get to this point. Um, yeah. You could definitely make that argument, but do you not feel like there's some potential there with this team? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, this team is still like a good team, but the I, I, I think like the, these guys are awesome guys, by the way. There's, um, I don't know whether you know um, uh, Yinsu, Yinsu Collins, who does the interviews for like yeah. Spike and stuff. Basically the only person that's doing interviews around the scene at the moment. And uh, she she's um, dating and living with, oh, well, I believe she's dating with <laughs> Boaster, the IGL for this team. And so when they would pan to the camera of Boaster playing, it's Yinsu's in the background, like cheering him on. It was the fucking <laughs> cutest thing in the world. And then uh, they did a like interview, uh, like full six person interview with the five players and the coach afterwards yeah. for like 45 minutes. And so I tuned in and was listening to, um, to, to them talking about it. And like a bunch of them have quit university, quit their jobs to, to go full time in Valorant after winning this game because now they're into the main event. Mm-hmm. And they've, they have been dunking across tier two uh, Europe as well. Yeah. And they've been playing some decent games against top teams whenever they can find them. Um, th- though it has been very absent recently. But these, there's three UK players on this team. They seem lovely. They're very skilled. They've got very creative setups. They're like, they're like a more aggressive version of FPX when I watch them. They're not really? quite as thorough and structured. They're a bit more dynamic. Like they love to push their rays double blast pack down I like sea like, log on haven or or down mid on split like it's really fucking they're a fun team to watch i like and your good. description of they're very lovely <laughs> they are it's a they, lovely they're, team they're, they're a cute team though because to me they encapsulate everything that's awesome about having a new esport where you've got these players that are I think it's particularly because a lot of them are British and so I can really relate to like the situation that they're in where you're in uni and you're like fucking desperate to just, or you've got some job and you're just desperate to quit and go full time in esports and you're just waiting for that opportunity. And I don't know whether these guys played like a lot of CS before in the past or anything like that, but the fact that they're now able to make it in this game is, it's just heartwarming, you know, that this game has provided them an opportunity to do that. What do you guys think, Mike Wyatt? Um, well, I was going to say, don't, they have a couple XCS and a couple X Fortnite players, I, I believe, is where mm-hmm. yeah. they came from, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, they're an exciting team to watch. I'm, more so than anything, I'm just interested in seeing them finally in the main event getting an opportunity to play against the Tier 1 competition. Because, yeah, we have just been seeing them play pretty much only the Tier 2 of Europe up until this point, and even still, yeah, in this bracket. I mean, they did go through of the brackets that were in this qualifier they did have an easier run to get to the main event um but yeah that that is not a uh a negative on their skill level i mean they could have made it through in in any of the brackets honestly i think they had a lot of they have a lot of upset potential but i'm yeah i'm just excited to see them play against um the actual tier one of competition see where they stack up yeah they've only ever played once against like 
FPX one opponents. Yeah, I think it was just FPX. They might have played against as well or something. No, it was a BO3. I think it was like the BO3 final of her. Oh yeah, it was just for like a small. It was a smaller. Yeah, it was for the Contenders Cup, and they actually did pretty well in that game. Like it, it was it was competitive. FPX won, and it it wasn't it wasn't like a nail biter or anything. But they didn't get blown out, and they looked like. If they um, if they continue to improve, they would get to a point where they can challenge these top teams. So I, I think they're you know they're they're clearly like the next team after you talk about NIP and Guild and that kind of stuff. And they have a lot of really nice set ideas of what they want to do. They're a team that has clearly thought a lot about how they want to play. Like you can tell that they've um, actively planned a lot of what they do, um, and yet they still play at a high pace. I think this team's got a lot of potential. And uh, I'm glad that they made it through the the qualifiers yeah. as well this time around. Because uh, if they hadn't been down there at the bottom uh, half of the bracket as well, then you you got a weird situation where everyone would have been stacked in the top half, like G2, Guild, NIP, Liquid, Prodigy. <laughs> it's it's only really um, it's only really them and FPX that were down at the bottom. Giving Mike, I think they're like a pretty good team they do a lot of cool setups like josh said as well and it kind of sucks that they got an easy bracket even though like i'm sure they're just gonna like take and run because why wouldn't you if you get handed a bracket um but it will be interesting to see how they fare up against like top four teams because i think if you would have thrown like an nip or a guild in their bracket and they would have beat them then all of the like talk would have been over already on like do they deserve to be here like someone else could yeah. have qualified in the spot and they're gonna have to just listen to that shit for like three weeks basically mm. but i hope they prove everyone wrong in the final stages you're gonna find that that is the case though i think with with all the main events where there's gonna be essentially when you get to the bottom teams in the main event at least like from the, the this kind of six to eight spots you're gonna find those teams right it, it's just going to be the way of things, especially with the, the nature of like the qualification process, I suppose, like maybe more so in Europe because of the, the BO1 nature of it. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, I will say as well, though, the teams yeah. that they played against are still pretty decent teams. Like Valorando need more DM and Exile. Exile They're used to be known as... Shippers. No, Exile were known as All the Rage. They're like a full Lithuanian squad that just came out of nowhere recently and started beating a bunch of known Tier 2 teams. They're, they're definitely not pushover teams. They didn't get yeah. a like yeah. guaranteed win in the bracket. It's just that they didn't have another top four team that was also in their, in their bracket along with them because the top one was just stupidly stacked with NIP, Guild, and G2. That, that was just yeah. a really dumb bracket Which up at the is, top. And then Heretics as well, actually. Yeah, I mean, well. that's just a symptom of it being BO1s, because then Guild losing earlier on and then having to re-qualify through the second bracket, and then that seeds the blood. I mean, it's just... That's, yeah. That is... You're going to probably see more of that in the next qualifier, mm -hmm. where part of the bracket, if one team gets upset but then makes it through later, it's just going to yeah. be super stacked. I think they had NIP at like a 12 seed for this event because they used only VLR ratings, which oh, like some of them are really inflated, right? Because a lot of these teams are playing like different cups and stuff like yeah. that and are not playing anything. So it's really weird how it shakes up. Mm. Yeah, presumably why Summon were just in the bracket on their own then because they have just been rolling these <laughs> tier two brackets recently. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to skip over doing predictions for the qualifiers because I feel like 
the later we're getting in the qualifiers, the more <clears throat> simple it becomes to kind of predict who which teams are going to be making it through. Uh, and it's almost like, and also we just don't have enough time is the main reason. Uh, <laughs> so I'm skipping over it. Uh, Gambit. Uh, I, did Gambit get the option of playing in EU? Could they have played in an EU first strike uh, event? No, they couldn't have. They had to I play know, CIS. Players. They they mm. wanted to though, but right. they were not able to. But ended up losing in the in the best of three in the uh, in the CIS first strike uh, event. I don't know how many of these games were streamed. It's the trouble with with all of this occurring. There being no kind of yeah. like consistent place one, to find out. This one was streamed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I watched the VOD last night just to get a feel for like what happened here because they, like you said, they they wanted to play in Europe. They're probably a top eight. I mean, they're almost certainly a top eight team in Europe. They probably would have made the main event, um, and so they should be the heavy favorites to take the CIS tournament. And instead, they they just lost uh, one two to Axor. Um, How many qualifiers are there? They they still have another opportunity. I think there's one more qualifier. Okay. Yeah. Not the worst so they, case in the world. Not the worst scenario in the world. Kind of a, I, no, I mean, it's, but yeah, I, I do feel quite bad for a lot of these top teams who, like, I suppose Gambit having to play in, in CIS, I suppose. But I mean, I, well, with them losing, it's, the argument is less so. But another team was like BBL in Turkey. Um, mm -hmm. And Oxygen who, in Turkey as well. Yeah, who were just like actually pretty fucking good. Um, but, you know, they're kind of almost constricted to that region instead of having the option to play in, uh, in EU. Um, yeah. which, you know, can be quite a disappointing, I suppose, actually, because, I mean, high level of competition in EU would have been nice, you know, just increasing the, the pool of good teams that we've got there. Because, um, yeah. I mean, BBL and Oxygen are good teams. Um, yeah, you said that uh, when I was talking to Mike earlier on on my stream, he was saying that uh, a lot of the European teams want to scrim against Gambit because they're, you know, you have no chance of meeting them in the tournament and they're still a good team. Um, presumably... Uh, they're rated pretty highly, like internally by teams as well, Mike. Yeah, so like for scrims right now, most like top team scrims are consistent of like Gambit and then like some Turkish teams like Oxygen, if they can, BBL Footballist is another one that are kind of on the come up, I think. But um, Gambit, I think everyone really rates them. I mean, like they're a fairly young roster i know they have guys that are like 18 and or 19 which i think comes into play for officials because like sometimes in scrims they just straight shit on us and other people and it's not even like close but then you get an official and then you have people that have more experience and are more composed it's an entirely different ballpark it's kind of like Noel panky as well they do like really well in scrims and then they go into official and just lose to like some decent level team so mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I could kind of see that a little bit in this match as well, because when, when you went to um, when you went deeper in this, it was actually the first ever recorded loss on bind as well. They were 10 and zero on bind and they they lost um, to to Axor. And the biggest reason that also carried on to split as well is just that Axor on their attack were doing these bursts onto the B site, and then on split, they were doing bursts onto both sites. But then the post plants, they were pushing on the post plants, and Gambit just kind of assumed that they would have the space to be able to execute retakes. Like they were playing retake on, on uh, both of the maps, pretty much. And during these post plants axel were really aggressive at having people flank or push like they would push elbow really aggressively on bind and uh on this map they would push screens after getting post plant on a or push heaven 
from ramp and and it just caught it caught gambit off every single time and it, it just meant that they racked up infinity rounds on attack like uh uh they they gambit only won two rounds on defense on bind and then gambit won two rounds on defense on split as well that is yeah because these they were just failing to get the retakes because they were getting pushed constantly um yeah i i think it also just shows that you even if you're considered the favorite in a game the these teams have come to win like everywhere else yeah also kind of hurts as well i suppose if teams have game tape on you and you're playing against maybe a bit of an unknown quantity like sure. an up-and-coming team yeah. that can kind of actually specialize in your matchup it's always a difficult yeah. scenario and, and you know, going into it they might just be going into the tournament period they might be kind of going in feeling like we're going to just win mm, yeah and you a can dangerous get caught mentality. out by that mentality even if it's not very present but if, if if they were trying to not play in cis and then they have to you know it's there at least a little bit subconsciously and uh, mm. that can affect the team North America as a region, what is it? Uh, <laughs> what is it, huh? Because we got we got uh, the North American First Strike event. Yeah. That's what we're going to be moving on to. Starting with the first topic, opening it up, opening the floor. Phase upsetting Gen G, but then losing to the Moon Raccoons and SSG. Yeah. God damn it! What is? I'm I'm not going to ask what's going on with Phase because we all know what's going on with Phase, don't we? We all well, know what's going on. Wait, is it almost time? You got the. What, no, what oh no, I wasn't going to hit gonna the... Is he going to say it? No, 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 no. I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to. I was not going to say it. was not going to nuke the team. Okay. None of that. What were you going to say? Um, I was going to say... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, Josh and I watched back that Phase Gen G game, and I don't know if it was the rosé I was drinking that was <laughs> affecting my mind while watching that, but I walked away from that match thinking it was genuinely one of the worst games of valorant i have ever watched um yeah we actually gave up by yeah, the third we map. did we yeah. refused to watch the third map because i, I couldn't we take it protest. yeah, we just yeah couldn't i couldn't take it anymore, take it anymore. I, I my brain couldn't handle it I'm, I'm still i wake up in the middle of the night weeping for my lost <laughs> brain cells from watching that game it's a reaction yeah like, you're you, right <laughs> but i'm running with it it is an overreaction and i am running with it um but yeah, I mean, was not was not the greatest game of Valorant. I mean, that Genji just really didn't have a good performance, and I think Phase kind of walked away with a default win. And then when they won up, uh, went uh, up against Moon Raccoons, who are a hungry team that really want to perform. Um, it seems like, based on things players have said, that they really are trying to get signed and go pro, and they're really trying to make it. Um, mm -hmm. So they're a hungry team. And uh, aside from just that, they're also just a legit top team in my eyes at this point. They're just a great yeah. NA team. I think they're just a better team than FaZe, and they proved it in that match. Um, and then again, Space Station. I think Space Station were kind of just on a heater that day. Like their duelists, Bustio and Roca, have always been just really good fraggers. That team isn't particularly tactically advanced in my eyes. They they're play a pretty default game and you can expect them to pretty much be running the same comps with the same duelist agents every time but it was one of those days where roca and bustio were just on fire um and they managed to beat phase and they qualified through as well so this is this is they've qualified for the closed qualifiers yeah the second closed qualifier 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it'll be four teams from that making it to the main event. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And so all of the, basically all of the teams that you would expect to make it have still made it to yeah. the main event. It's just that for teams like Gen G, Phase, NRG, even Luminosity as well, they, they like squeaked in at the end. I mean, mm. NRG was an absolute squeaker, but Gen yeah. G is the big one to me because <laughs> <laughs> you come into you come yeah. into North American First yeah. Strike, you would have had Gen G rated. I mean, if you hadn't watched their games just before in the uh, Renegades NSG tournament, you would have still had them rated as a top five team. And then you watch them play in the Renegades NSG, and you're like, oh god, this team looks uninspiring and it looks like it's they're trending downwards and it's time for a change they get shorn in okay firing them up huge expectations for them again it's a honeymoon period they beat sentinels they look great sean's fragging everywhere the confidence is high and then they just lose and lose and lose and lose to like worse and worse teams down the rankings to the point where they only just get in as the like what 12th no 15th best team in na and they've currently qualified in like 15th seed yeah and they they got a i mean they looked okay but they got a blessed bracket to Mm. to make it through i mean they had not one i mean they had no even like good upper tier tier two teams that they really played against so they really just got a uh repath in at the very end but yeah, yeah. i mean definitely worried about gen g but i mean phase phase did end up making it through yeah they just squeaked in at the end as well yeah. um well yeah but so one of the, it, one of the later topics we've got is phase beating nrg oh okay um, yeah but they to make shit, it in. that was yeah that was again a, another shit show think, but go on josh I, I just want to read off who Genji have lost to after after beating Sentinels and everyone yeah. thinking that this squad looked really you know like high tempo and fiery and Sean was popping off on all cylinders. They 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 lost to Envy, which makes sense. You know, Envy are a top three team within North America right now. Then they lose to TSM. Okay, again reasonable. Then they lose to Complexity, and you're like, oh, that's a big upset. What the hell? Then they lose to T1, and you're like, oh fuck me. And then they lose to Phase, and you're like, ah. what is happening and it's it's just it's a slip (laughs) down the rankings like you can see it it. it's 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 painted there for you in the teams that they lost to you think uh you think we've all been go on josh what what do you you want to finish this up with i think they've just lost confidence as it's gone Uh on I think okay. they've massively lost. Co- I yeah. mean, look at I those mean, spikes in Elo. That is yeah. ridiculous. My God. Yeah, I, I, I'm becoming less convinced of the roles that the players are on on the team right now as well. I think that just throwing Sean onto Duelist because he's a good aimer is a little bit short-sighted. It's, it seems like an obvious move, but I don't think it's actually really particularly panned out. as well, right? Maybe, but he, he I... He tweeted that. He tweeted he's uh, yeah. looking for a team, duelist. Yeah, he did. But I, 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 I think after, at least from what I've seen so far, I think he's just better at Sova. Yeah. Um, so he was, was just better nasty. on that role. He looked more comfortable. He's just, he's playing so much Reyna. He's not getting value out of the utility because there's not much value to get out of Reyna utility. Um, he, I think he was just finding a lot more value on Sova and also the positioning um, on the map where you will find yourself as a Sova, he seemed just more comfortable moving around the map on Sova, where on Reyna, I think his 
pathing is kind of off. He's very slow on the entry often where yeah. Quinn is like Quinn, who has been one of the bright spots of the team on entering, he'll be in so deep and then the follow-up's not coming fast enough. Um, GMD looks good on Omen, but I'm convinced at this point, GMD could just play any agent in the game. He's just great at everything. Um, but I would almost like to see them go back to basically what they were running before. Um, just throw player one back on smokes, get Mikhail back on Cypher, try GMD on Duelist, get Sean back on Sova and see if that works. I don't know. I'm not necessarily posing that as this is the answer to their problems, but I think it's definitely a direction they could think, at least um, look to to try and improve from. I think we were so set on Genji as a team because they were easier to understand at like a first glance, and, and I'll, I'll like I'll elaborate on that as well. So like, there's some teams where you I think you you're almost rewatching their match to try and understand like what they're good at doing, like the mid round adaptations, things like that that are easy to spot. But Genji. Generally speaking, like watch it, just spectating them. I think they're they're almost like the entry level team to watch if somebody wanted to start analyzing Valorant because they're so structured in terms of their plays. Uh, they were, yeah. They're they're so orchestrated. Uh, you know what I mean? Yes. And I think when you watch them for the first time, you can kind of see what's going on. And you're like, ah, oh, this is pretty pretty fucking sick. But it's almost fallen to the wayside these days. Well, I I think that the results also were there though. Like, that's the thing that you also have to say, is that back back before First Strike, when there weren't that many good teams in North America, Genji was still beating almost everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they would lose to Sentinels, but they actually still beat them uh, on a couple of maps, and I think they beat them in a BO3 once as well. Maybe? Yeah, they yeah, did. They did. Um, yeah, like and they... Summer. They also, they beat out Immortals, who were like a, a top four team at that point. They were beating all of the tier two teams, like uh, Complexity and Renegades and, you know, whoever else you have, like Envy, for example, when they were still a tier two team, they were beating them out with consistency. So they, they were actually getting the wins, but as the rest of North America has leveled up, Genji has not gone with them. Yeah, the thing is, they Genji were fundamentally sound when other teams weren't. And that's why they were appealing to me, um, because they were beating these just these puggy teams that were running around with their phoenixes just inting everywhere. And Genji would just <laughs> always catch those teams out. They were always playing fundamentally sound. They always had good executes, and they would win off that. But now, I don't even think that they are structurally sound in the same way. Uh, I, I, Genji's executes were some of the best in NA, um, if not the best, for quite a long time. But right now, those aren't even there. And that was always the, the thing that you could really look to um, from them as a team to actually get wins. And even though, yeah, I mean, I mean even when, they're, when their executes are looking sloppy, when the pacing is off, when players aren't effectively trading for each other, they're not getting control of the site. And that's when you know something is really wrong with that team because that is like their bread and butter. That's what has made them good. Yeah. I think Mike. I think, like, with Sean right now, like, throwing him on Duelist may not be the answer, but I don't think you necessarily need to just put him on Sova again. I think he could play Duelist, but I think you're wasting too smart of a player by putting him on Reyna. Like, that's not saying, like, Reyna players are dumb. I just think he has a really good understanding of, like, when to use Util to have him, like, on Reyna versus, like, a Phoenix or a Rays or something like that instead. Because if you throw him on Sova as well, then like, what do you what do you change the rest of the comp to? It feels like they're gonna have to keep swapping and swapping again. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, I would, I don't know whether the guy can play, can play this kind of stuff, but I'd love to see him play like the Rays, for example. And he played it on Split, right? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, that's true, actually. No, he doesn't look that great on Rays when yeah, it comes he's, to his he's utility been usage, on, actually. Yeah, he hasn't played yeah. it on Split, and that's typically been his worst map. With yeah. GMG. Yeah, I, I don't know. I do agree with the premise, though, there of what was so great about him was not just his dueling it was how smart of a player he seemed to be when he was on the sofa um but that's just totally absent when he's playing the rainer like his positioning is all wrong as well in a lot of these fights but previously he was getting big value in these other games because he was playing with so much confidence and he was just going in and he was battering people around he wasn't on his own they were playing with a lot of tempo and they would go together and they would like take fights really aggressively against other teams um, and then uh, the more I watch, the more I feel like he's kind of hiding in off angles and stuff like that in order to get picks. And the rest of the team just doesn't seem to be playing with the same level of confidence either. Like Quinn isn't making the same space and the trades aren't there on the space when Quinn does go in. It's just, they, they seem like a team that's really lost it. Uh, they, they seemed like they had the, the decisiveness that they needed when they first came into first strike. And it's completely eroded, and now they're just playing a, a, a shadow of their former style. It's disappointing to watch, actually. Interesting. Yeah, you know, Josh, we all grow old eventually. We all die. <laughs> so it's just a, a fact of life, you know? We can't all remain at the top. Mm. Um, True. Why yeah. the dinosaurs died off. Uh, Immortals yeah. take 2-1 over Dignitas <laughs> as a... As a that's what my a segue. bizarre turn. <laughs> a dark segue. Yeah, <laughs> that's my segue. Amor's, Amor's taking the win over Dignitas to squeak into the close qualifiers. I say squeak, yeah. it wasn't quite squeaking, but they, they are, I mean, it took them long enough. You know what I mean? We had such high hopes for Immortals. They had sure. the honeymoon period when they got shot up in, we were like, oh my God, they're insane. Um, but they finally made it into the close qualifiers, obviously not quite there at the main event just yet. Over uh, Dignitas. Did Dignitas make it through? No, yeah, they did. They did. Yeah, yeah they did. eventually. So, yeah, this uh, this is all the usual suspects. I mean, is there any overarching points you want to go over with these two teams? Uh, I mean, Josh, do you have anything? Off. Go ahead, Mike. What's that, Mike? Dignitas just looks really off. Like I felt like sometimes Odorous was just kind of having like really off games, and that was part of it, but. I'm not like totally sold on depth on Killjoy over Cypher yet because I felt like his Cypher could have been like one of the best in the game, like from Pop Flash during that time. But um, I haven't been entirely sold on it from this event. I quite like the amount of franging that Def is able to do when he's playing the Killjoy. He seems like he's able to impl uh, influence rounds just based on getting into more aggressive positions, whereas when he was playing the Cypher, it was much more about his information gathering. But it does seem to have hurt them a little in, in, that, uh, in the other sense. Uh, to me, Maka looks like a, a world-class player, and Odorous seems to have been a bit of a, a, bit of a flop. Yeah, he doesn't have many big games, and the ones where he does are punctuated by inconsistencies in the others. So I, I haven't been impressed particularly I, there. I, I feel like Odorous is, uh, he's he's kind of still playing like the jet of the Ignition series. He hasn't really advanced to the, like, maybe I guess Huynh being an example, but like that aggressive jet entering style. I think he's fairly stuck still in the old opping jet ways. 
and you just don't get as much value with that anymore. Mm. Yeah, he does. He does tend to do a lot of it. I mean, it's somewhat similar to to JMO as well. Though there's a lot of um, the jet opping that goes on there that leads to inconsistency as well. I just I haven't been particularly impressed with Odorous, and I think that something about Dignitas that made them so good was that previously they played with a very structured style. Like their information gathering and their mid-round decision-making was what was winning them games, in my opinion. And that yeah. was a factor of Def Cypher and Sam on the Sova. And now they've really changed things up where they're trying to go more, uh, it, it seems to me, to go much more loose with the yeah. Killjoy being played a lot of the time, the Rainer for Sam, and then Odorous being like playing the Jet all the time and still trying to, you know, pop off. I mean, he plays Rays sometimes yeah. too, but... Really is but, a huge difference in the play style. They, like on attack, they just yeah. play a very low utility, very contact-based attack, which seems to be a consistent theme among all their maps. Yeah, which I quite like against some teams, though, because it can yeah. throw people yeah, off. The issue yeah, is, it's, bad, it's but... I don't think they have really refined it to the point where it's getting them consistent wins at all. They're just kind of going for it. Mm. Yeah, but, uh, you know, they still, they, they did make it through. They still are a fairly new roster, at least with the two new additions. So it can give them a little bit of time to see where they end up. At least individually, I have, Def has had some sick games in first strike so far. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's and it's definitely, it doesn't particularly, I don't think, have much to do with what agent he's playing. It's just been moments where he's decided he is going to take over a round. He'll just be entrying with a sheriff on Killjoy and he just gets three headshots in a row. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, he just, all of a sudden he's just been having uh, just sick games. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I've been impressed with some individual play there, but. I want to move on to talking about Ambox being NRG as well in the round of 32. But just a general thought as well as we do that is, did any of these teams, would you say, have they improved going from the one close qualifier or the one open qualifier to the next? Like Immortals have. Immortals, you would say, have? Yeah, but also, Immortals don't look as good as they did in Renegade's NSG when they really no, I like, think that, started. I think that's that so like, unfair, honeymoon though. period of shot up going like a yeah. freak hasn't really reappeared, in my opinion. Sure. No, it definitely hasn't. He still looks good, but yeah, that mm. was... I think that that, uh, that tournament definitely overrated... They self-overrated, and now everyone thinks that they're a god-tier team. But in reality, yeah, that was some honeymoon period at its absolute and peak. We definitely gassed and, him up. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, he looked incredible. Yeah. Um, and Shotup still does look good, and that team still does look good. But they had the honeymoon period, then they crashed back to reality, sure. and now they're trying to build back up from the, the foundation. And, the, yeah. and they did improve from the uh, first qualifier to this one. Well, do you think this is the case of Ambox? I mean, we were particularly high up on Ambox, actually, coming into before the first open yeah. qualifier. Um, we had some pretty high expectations for them, but uh, it wasn't really met. And even now, it seems like they are just kind of, again, trudging along at the kind of the, 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 the bottom section of North American teams. Um, I mean, the, I, they kind of are, but when you look at their like match history, to be honest... They they lost the upset. They lost to LG, and I think that that was just a bit of an upset. Yeah. Like they didn't play particularly well in that game, and LG are a team that has you know good firepower across the whole of their roster. 
but they've done a good job at getting rid of all of the other teams that they've played against. Um, they haven't had a particularly difficult bracket, all right? They had to play like NRG and Built by Gamers. Those are the, the most difficult teams that they played against the second time around. And But their, their split still looks like a very dangerous map. And across the rest, they look pretty good. They, they still seem like a team that can really do something in this tournament. Are they going to be immediately like a top five roster? No. Do they look as exciting and dangerous as a team like Renegades? No. But they still have that kind of structure where you could see them beating teams like it, it, they are probably going to have to go up against teams like T1 and complexity um, and, and maybe a renegades. Can they win those games? Yeah, I think they can win those games. Can they punch any higher than that? Probably not. Like, do I really see them being able to upset a uh, hundred thieves TSM C9 kind of caliber of opponent? No, they don't seem like they really have that level of punch to them, but they're going to, I think consistently be able to perform at just underneath that level. What do you think, Mike? I think it's going to be interesting how they play against the top teams because there is kind of this factor, like when they first came in, since they have a lot of experienced guys from CS um, and just experienced guys in general from other esports, that they were going to have some pretty good explosive factor coming into that. Was a Renegades event that they mm. played? Yeah. So it'll be interesting over time if they keep developing because I know they had to use like a lot of stuff out of their pocket for that event to kind of like pull through but it'll be interesting to see like how they go on over time because i kind of like i'm wary to judge teams right off the bat when they pop up like as a new five or they get a new like immortals getting shot up just because there's always going to be like some sort of explosive factor because you don't have them like fully figured out yet yeah yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. I'll say this then to try and round out, I think, First Strike NA. I know we, we briefly mentioned FaZe Clan as well, talked in, about them uh, qualifying after beating NRG, I think it was. Um, but it, just a general topic, in, I think, overall, is that I think the consensus from all of us is that it's unlikely that a lot of these teams are going to be capable of kind of consistently besting the top four in NA. Is that, is that a fair statement to make? From all of us, I'm not putting words in any of your mouths. I think, I mean, consistently, yeah, because if you consistently upset someone, you're just the better team. Right, that's what I mean. Uh, like, do, can, yeah. can you, but, but what I, what I will, the, the kind of point I wanted to try and turn us into was, could you see a scenario of any of these teams, have they shown anything uh, that might imply that they could come around for the main event, assuming they make it out of the closed qualifiers, kind of turn it around with sky or, or is it is there any team here with the potential to actually make a sort of dark horse run when it comes to the main event i mean yeah as weird as this sounds you might be looking at the moon raccoons yeah that's like that's a good shout I, I maybe more so than like your classic dig immortals and box you genuinely might be looking at the moon raccoons to do some kind of like upset because the thing with them is they still seem like they're very much not at their peak whereas a lot of these other teams feel like they've plateaued a little bit in terms of the development of their their roster yeah so if there was anyone that i could see making large improvements before the main event or even you know minimal improvements they don't need big improvements to be able to win against some of the top teams you saw them nearly beat 100 thieves yeah. um 
they might be. I my, think that's a good shot. I I think they have improved as well. And, and if you want to talk about small improvements, I think uh, you're seeing a lot more consistency and better fragging out of uh, Rebo and temperature as well. We're like obviously we knew temperature was kind of like a sick aimer, and he he would pull off some like cool individual rounds. But both those guys seem to be upping their level of consistency throughout maps and matches in this qualifier. Um, yeah, I think that's a good pick. I can't really mm. think of anyone of anyone else. I mean, when we head to the close qualifier, Cloud9 and TSM are still in it. They should absolutely be making it through. And then the next two slots are barely... They're really open, open. to anybody. I, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah. Interesting. I do think that. Yeah, well, what, like, what, I, what do you reckon, Mike? It's an interesting thought experiment. I think Gen G definitely has the talent, but I just don't know like if you put a timer on this, if they're gonna have enough time to like sort it out and then like improve in like t like a week or two, you know. Even if you throw in like a different agent, yeah. I think Moon Raccoons is a good pick though overall. Well, okay. Well, you said I mean Cloud9 and TSM. I actually completely forgot that they were playing in the closed qualifier, right? Yeah, for the, yeah. For the next one, for, yeah. so they they because they didn't qualify the first time around. I just kind of assumed that was a lock. That's on me. So, is there any opportunity for upsets here, where those teams are being upset, or do you just not? You just don't think it's going to happen for C nine and TSM? Yeah. Do you think, I mean, can you see them getting upset and not making the main event? I mean, that would be a weird world that we would live in. But I think it's really. Yeah. I think it's possible. The issue is that it, this isn't just a single limb bracket. It's a group stage and then single limb bracket. So you, it's like double a limb, the group stage format. So even if they lose one of the games, they're always going to have that second chance to be able to get back in. I do think there's possibilities. Though. I mean, you saw Cloud9 lose to Renegades. I think, you know, depending on what maps are being played, if they go up against somebody like Anbox, I could see Anbox taking split away from them just you know, by default, just because yeah. they have such a good split. And then can they squeak another game past? I mean, possibly if, if their players pop off, it's yeah. it's within the realm of possibility. But it, is there any team where you would point and say they have a great um, chance of upsetting some of the top teams? No, I don't think so. Not unless Anbox really get back to that peak performance that they were at or the Moon Raccoons go on some crazy run. It's a lot better feeling talking about if a team's going to get upset and best of three double limb than best of one single limb. Yeah. Makes it actually like interesting. Yeah. I mean, I could see, I don't know. I'm thinking about LG just because they have so much firepower or if we somehow get a uh, uh, shot up Renegade's uh, redo where he just yeah. pops off on cloud nine again. Um, yeah. but uh, not feeling that either of those are necessarily hugely likely. Um, my my most one of the most interesting things for me actually is t can T one survive this close qualifier? Oh yeah, T one are in it as well. Yeah, T one is still. Yeah, I forgot T one already. Yeah, because they finished in the top whatever of the other one. Top yeah, they finished yeah, like whatever, top whatever eight to get over this oh, with top yeah. eight. Yeah. What yeah, are the so what's the other team that's already complexity? In? Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, T1, I, I mean, I have. T, uh, T1 have a good chance of making it in, I think. Yeah. I mean, the so? thing is, yeah. I, I don't think T1 play a very good game of Valorant. Like, I don't think their style is great for the game long term, but it does deal very well with 
sloppier tier two teams yeah like it's a good style for punishing other teams that want to play aggressively into you that haven't really you know fully fleshed out like their aggressive yeah uh, my <laughs> uh, utility usage my issue with t1 is that they've been improving but not at a fast enough rate you know what i mean for me sure i, I they, but who else has you don't need improvements josh you just need to watch one of their games <laughs> you literally just need to watch one of their games you you learn a lot of the tendencies of the players and a lot of exploitable yeah, things do. very quickly uh, i have quite low expectations of team i actually think they're gonna make it through someone said they were gonna put um spider on duelist i think maybe only on split but i think they're gonna change that around mm. for days yeah. the, the spider is leaving the web <laughs> Yes, he is. <laughs> He's making his own roads out there. I think that's an absolutely necessary change, though. Watching yeah. Days try and play the Rays on Split was painful at times. So I think swapping him over is a good idea. And then maybe, you know, maybe it'll even extend to uh, to their other maps eventually, where they'll just free up Spider to have a bit more, you know, freedom around the map. They won't just constrain him to one tiny little portion. Um. You want to do close qualifiers predictions? Uh, have they seeded it? They haven't seeded no. it, so you would just have to do it generally about who you think is going to go through. Which I think we just. I mean, yeah, I mean that's basically what we did. Cloud Nine, TSM. I think T One are going to make it through, and then. All right. It's time. I, I think I think Anbox and Moon Raccoons could make it. I through think Anbox and Moon Raccoons are, are the next in complexity. Yeah, would be next up. Also, were we going to? I mean, Phase did make it through. Were we going to talk about Phase again? Because I did want to mention. Nah. I don't particularly want to talk about FaZe. I actually wanted Gone to give... I, the one thing I did want to talk about, I did want to give a shout to Zachary for improving oh, yeah? immensely. Yeah. He's Killjoy been the most good. impressive player on FaZe for me throughout all the qualifiers so far. His Killjoy has been super good. And uh, it's, it's nice to see a, a player improve there that you go. much. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe this will start changing the hive minder. Uh, the, 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 the Zachary jokes have already started laying i mean we've laid the foundations of it i think it was essentially us that took the piss out of him on a sober there was a clip the well, other day he that got posted himself he did do that himself but <laughs> yeah, i think well, we, we definitely fanned we fanned we fanned the flames a little bit and i i did see a clip of uh somebody clipped wyatt. something from your stream wyatt from your yeah. companion stream <laughs> of who the fuck was it oh eu yeah eu killing us all with a shot that and it was called it, it was titled like eu doing a zachary and i was like oh my god like <laughs> imagine if that's your legacy anyway godspeed but but just to, i mean one. just imagine that for a moment like if you can put yourself in the position of remembering how bad zachary was at sova right he only yeah. played four maps on the sova but he he averaged a 0.4 kill per round and a 0.57 kd so like these are these are like awful i mean it was awful horrific yeah. stats it was at really the pro level Ability usage was all over the place. He just had no idea what he was doing by the look of it. And then you watch his Killjoy and his Cypher. They are really good. He has above 1.1 KD on both of them. He has like around a 0.7 kill per round. He's doing really well at being able to find value for his teams when they hit the sites. It's it's all good stuff. So like the improvement this guy's made is astronomical. It really is. He, he looks like, because he's a legit great player right now. I mean, he is playing at a really high level. His Killjoy is super good. So what's, what's your hopes for FaZe then? I mean, they're not going to make it through. My hopes for FaZe are that they just okay. play a good game. Yeah. Leave it all on the field. I, I, yeah, I mean, I've, I really do wish <laughs> Give them the Give it the old best. college try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really do wish them the best. 
but uh, we'll we'll see we'll see the final segment of mm. the day one that we all look forward to every week it comes mm. around and everyone's <laughs> wondering i hear the whispers on the winds i hear yeah. people saying like oh i wonder who the, the weekly award's gonna go to it's why weekly award wyatt yeah you you said that you were deliberating over this for many nights i was actually yep I was. You said that. I, well, because I actually, the reason I, I, I wanted to make sure I gave Zachary a shout was because I was thinking about giving him the weekly Because mm. I think it would have been a worthy recipient. Sure. That would yeah. be a good one. Um, but it's not Zachary. But it's not Zachary. It's not Zachary. He, okay. he, he gets a little shout, but it's not going to be Zachary. This week, the Wyatt, Wyatt Weekly Award, <laughs> <laughs> tough to say sometimes, goes to none other than... Uh, Everyone's favorite community caster, Tanner Metro. Tanner Metro. To to I am the number one stanner. I fucking love Tanner Metro. He, he, he casts all day, all the games alone, does the spectating himself. He has a great attitude. He's dressing sharp every day. He looks good. Dude, I, I love, uh, I, I genuinely, I think he's a really talented caster as well. I think he does a great job. I mean, we had said this before, but he, he genuinely is like the next pucket. He is just the, the young pucket. Like he has that professional <laughs> look at him, man. He has the professional, uh, he's like the professional ESPN commentator and he yeah. does an excellent job with it. He has his brand. He, uh, dude, I love Tanner Metro. He, he, he genuinely does do a great job. Um, I hope to, I hope that eventually he can, uh, I don't know, get on, get on one of the mainstreams. Yeah, have a drink with him at Yeah, get a drink with him at DreamHack. Yeah, the the DreamHack no, hotel after party. Yeah. Big fan. Had to, had to give this award to uh, Tanner this week. There you go. Wow. <laughs> that, is, that is lovely. Yeah, I, I, will, I will say it is so... I think people in Valorant, I don't know if it's because they come from CS or whatever, where it's just widely accepted, where you can just shit on the talent in the scene. It doesn't happen in Overwatch because we fucking, we, we slapped that out of them. We drilled into them. <laughs> that it wasn't acceptable to, to, to fucking boss around the, the talent team. But uh, in Valorant, it definitely seems like people are, are a lot more critical. But you got to remember, like at least in North America, these community casters, I mean, like we've already mentioned today, they're spectating, they're doing a the production themselves. They're, uh, I mean, they're casting as well on top of that. I mean, I... Very early on in my career, I had to do that in Dota, and it was fucking hell. I would always fuck up something, I'd fuck up the score, the observing, like, I, I don't know, one, one aspect of it would just go to shit. Very difficult to do. Um, so, yeah, good, good choice for the weekly award. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Is that the first non-player? Yeah, that is the first oh, non-player. Well, there you go. I've also been enjoying the casting and uh, talent choices over in Europe as well. If you guys mm. haven't had a chance to catch that, you should go and, uh, go and take a look. Yeah, yeah. And they've been doing a great job over there. And I also enjoy uh, listening to Maniac on the desk. And I think Banks yeah. is really good in his role as a host and like interviewer drawing stuff out of people as well. But uh, yeah, the uh, the combination of that talent over in Europe pre creates some very enjoyable games. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool to hear Maniac's point of view on things as well, because he used to play back in uh, back in the, the like beta and early game. He used to play on a, a French team with uh, Existence and Happy and uh, Metalian yeah. and Akuma. You've been doing a, a couple of odd reviews, haven't you, Josh? Casting reviews? Yes, I have of some of the tier two casters. Yeah, you, yeah. You've become the godfather of the of the <laughs> casters almost. Yeah, yeah. I 
They come they, to you, you know, for I, blessing. I do favors. <laughs> I do favors for them, and yeah. they they will eventually be in my debt, and I will just rake in those favors years down the line, <laughs> as they I don't know hide bodies for me in the woods or whatever it is that the Godfather does. Uh, yeah, yeah, interesting stuff all across the board. Well, what do you think, Kurt? I don't know. We skipped like three topics. We did skip like three topics. I was concerned about. I was concerned about time, um, because you there was there literally were like twenty topics that we were. Yeah, I go mean, through. we had to cover the whole of Europe and North American first strike. I feel like I people think we just did a don't good appreciate job. how much how much shit that is. Like it's so much stuff. Yeah, especially the North American one. It just felt like it fucking went on forever yeah. because. Because you had, like, the whole of the NSG open qualifier, and then you have two other open qualifiers that they run the entire bracket just to find six teams at the top. I mean, I, I got burnt out. I felt out. like this nightmare would never end. Yeah, I got burnt out. I, I, didn't, I didn't watch the open qualifier games for North America. It's, yeah. Just, it's so much Valorant, you have to be a robot to watch how much Valorant. No offense to you three. Yeah, you're, you're it, special it, people. It, it is an immense yeah. amount of games. Yeah, it it's really so is. many games. Which is not... Which is why people watch the podcast. So they can hear my uninformed opinion. <laughs> yeah. It's very polarizing going from teams that play like three best of threes to us playing like one best of one in a day. And that's yep. like the vast difference. That yeah. is the game. But also that's why I've been really enjoying watching Europe right now because it's so different to North America. North America is like a constant wave of poor quality bo3s like genuinely it a lot of them are poor quality bo3s between like what they're like top 20 teams in north america that are playing against each other and then you you go over and the the benefit of the european system from a broadcast perspective is you're you're not showing people the shit you're only showing people really well produced bo3s between top eight teams in the region like that yeah. that's what these european te- games were so if you're a north american fan and you're you are feeling a little bit burnt out with first strike or you don't know which games to go and watch i would highly recommend going and watching the the vods of the european games because not only will you expand your you know viewing pool a little bit but you'll be entranced by the analyst desk and the casting and the fact that the teams are playing at a really high level um and they're playing there's a lot on the line in the bo3s they're not just playing for seeding like the the actual broadcast elements of Europe were so much better than North America for the viewers, but the format was so shit for the players. And I just want them to create a system that works for both because it is plausible that you can do that. Not possible, Josh. Can happen. Yeah, they just won't. Okay. What episode are we on? 19? Yeah, 19. 19. All right, thanks you're, for watching episode like 19. The, you're like Go. the crack-addicted uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Just at the end, you're like, all right, what is it? Let's get get this out. It's because we, yeah, I mean, it might feel a little bit, you know, guffed or rushed, but that's the charm of it, you know. You see, I want people when I listen, I want people to be like, yeah, you know, I could be there on the, on the, (laughs) you know, I could. Yeah, this guy sucks, but here we are. I could be there, you know, like that's that's. Yeah, what the fuck am I doing? Ending the show. Right, yeah. Thanks for watching episode 19 of Blackjack Valorant. Mike, thanks for joining us. Absolute pleasure. Um, I think it was pretty late notice as well, so thanks for joining us as well, you know. Matt, Matt had an emergency. He had to stay in his apartment 
Um, yeah, it's uh, it crazy. Yeah, the, uh, he had a couple of League of Legends matches. Yeah, you know, he had one too many League of Legends matches, and you know, just uh, now. Nah. Anyway, thanks for watching, everybody. You know, do the like thing, do the subscribe thing, leave a comment with what you liked, what you enjoyed, uh, and actually, I tell you what, leave me a comment and tell me what is your dark horse pick for the North American First Strike tournament. Who do you think is going to be making mm. it all the way through? Who do you think is going to be upsetting Cloud Nine or TSM? Oh, and a little, little teaser as well for next week, too. We couldn't fit it in this week because we had way too much North American and European stuff, but the Brazilian Brazilian and Korean close qualifiers are going to mm. be happening over the course of this week, and all of the good games are going to occur before the main event. So I think next week we're going to be recapping a bunch of Brazil and Korea, too. That's, that's what I'm going to spend my... Yeah, that's what I'm spending my week doing is just watching those. Or we could watch it live. Yeah. True. What time is that? It's early in the morning. Yeah. I mean, we, we could start getting up at midnight. <laughs> Maybe. Or not. Wake are these, up are, like are, are these mics still hot? I don't know. Are we off? Are we on? <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, see ya. Bye. <laughs>